Hi, Pastor Rob here from City East Church and MTL Ministries. What you hold is true. Is it really truth? Will what you believe get you through on Judgment Day? Are you keeping to the pattern of sound teaching held out in Scripture? In this series, Truth, Judgment and Eternity, I intend to deliver messages that check the solidness of our Christian foundation so as to guard the good deposit that was entrusted to us as Christ's ambassadors on this earth. Jesus is God. That's the name of this sermon. And we just turn to Hebrews 1, verses 1 to 3. I love this passage of Scripture. What a way to start a book. Hebrews, chapter 1, verse 1. And it says this. In the past, God spoke to our forefathers through the prophets at many times and in various ways. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his Son whom he appointed heir of all things and through whom he made the universe. The sun is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. And after he had provided purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty in heaven. Wow, now that's pretty a pretty powerful verse. I'm going to talk about that a little bit later in the sermon. But that just tells us straight away that the Son is the exact representation of God the Father. Um, and that he, through Jesus, through the Son, the entire universe was made. So this tells us who Jesus is and how he was used in the creation. So this is amazing stuff. So what makes Jesus Christ unique and sets him apart from every other religious leader who has existed on earth. What makes him unique? And I know there's going to be a heap of, a heap of things that you can say. I'm just going to say a couple of things. Apart from the fact that every other religious leader died and their bodies are still in the grave, it would have to be his declarations. No other religious leader ever claimed to be God. And then back up that claim with thousands of miracles, untold amounts of miracles because some some scriptures say that Jesus walked in a certain villages or certain areas and all the sick came out and he healed all of them that's a pretty profound miracle you know to heal all the sick not just one or two or three or four everyone so who knows how many that that was he backed up that claim with thousands of miracles and then he did the greatest miracle of all he rose from the dead after laying his life down for the sins of mankind. No other religion on earth, no other religion on earth has a saviour who is alive. Name one. There's no other, no other religion will claim that their saviour, if they don't even have saviours, they have prophets or leaders or, you know, great men or great women. But no other religion on earth has a saviour who is alive and at the right hand of the Father and has 500 witnesses to his bodily resurrection and ascension. No other religion has 500 witnesses to this. So that sets Christianity way apart, way apart, where poles apart. No other religion comes close to what Christianity has, as well as the fact that we've got, you know, 
a Bible with 66 books in it, written by over around 40 authors, who over different in different time periods, and they all thread together perfectly. There's no contradictions among all those authors. You know how hard is that to do? Only God could do something like that. So let's just turn to the book of John, if we could, and go to chapter 5, one of the greatest books in the Bible, the book of John. Actually, we might go back to verse 16. Instead of 18, go back to chapter 5, verse 16, and we'll quickly read through this. Now, these are the declarations made by Jesus. And you can always tell that what he meant by these declarations by the reactions of the Pharisees. The way the Pharisees reacted to what Jesus says gives us a clear indication of what he meant because they could understand Hebrew or Aramaic or whatever he was speaking in those days or Greek and they could understand what he was saying and they knew the implications of what he meant. So you can't try to read something else into this. It's very clear in Scripture. It says this, So because Jesus was doing these things on the Sabbath, the Jews persecuted him and Jesus said to them, My father is always at his work to this very day, and I too am working. And for this reason, the Jews tried harder to kill him. Not only was he breaking the Sabbath, but he was even calling God his own father, making himself equal with God. So when Jesus says, my father, they had never heard that before. They were scared to even pronounce the name of God. (laughs) And suddenly here's this man saying, my father. And they're going, what? Who does this guy think he is? So they wanted to kill him. They wanted to stone him. So Jesus gave them this answer. I tell you the truth. The son can do nothing by himself. He can only do what he sees his father doing. Because whatever the father does, the son also does. And for the father loves the son and shows him all he does. Yes, to your amazement, he will show him even greater things than these. For just as the Father raises the dead and gives them life, even so the Son gives life to whom he is pleased to give it. So he's now giving himself, saying, I have the same power as God the Father. The Father gives life to whom he's pleased, and so can I give life to those who I'm pleased to give it to. Moreover, the Father judges no one, The father, see, he's saying, my father judges no one, but has entrusted all judgment to the son. That all may honour the son. So now he's even saying that the father's not going to judge you. I am. (laughs) So these people, you imagine a human standing there saying that, that all creation is going to be judged by this one person standing there. You can imagine the Pharisees in an uproar. They'd want to just take this guy down. Who does he think he is? We can stone him to death right now. And he's telling us he's going to judge us. And not just us, but every single thing that's ever been created. So he who does not honour the Son does not honour the Father who sent him. That's powerful stuff. And he said that to them straight after they wanted to stone him for just saying, calling God his Father. So the rage must have been just out of control by that moment. But somehow God protected him at that time to keep him alive so his ministry was fulfilled and he would die, die at the crucifixion. But th- those passages were fuel, or those words were fuel for his later crucifixion, weren't they? 
that would cause it. Now, keep on going. John 8 and verse 19. Then they asked him, where is your father? And Jesus replied, you do not know me or my father. If you knew me, you would know my father also. So again, he's claiming equality with God. He's claiming his deity. Let's go to John 10. John 10, verse 25. And we're going to go down to 33. Jesus answered, I did tell you, but you do not believe. The miracles I do in my Father's name speak for me. So he's telling you that the miracles he's done proves who he is. The miracles that Jesus has performed proves who he is. But you do not believe because you are not my sheep. My sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. I give them, not the Father, I give them. But when he says I, I and the Father are one, he's saying the Father, but he's claiming his own deification, isn't he? But he backs it up because he performs the miracles and he was raised from the dead. He backed up what he said. I give them eternal life and they shall never perish. No one can snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all. No one can snatch them out of my Father's hand. Did you see that? Just go back on that verse to verse 28. He says, no one can snatch them out of my hand. That's Jesus. And then he said, no one can snatch them out of my Father's hand. So the same hand, isn't it? Because they're one. I and the Father are one. That's the next verse. Again, the Jews, what did they do? They picked up stones to stone him. But Jesus said to them, I have shown you many great miracles from the Father. Many. See, the Jews were watching him perform miracles. You would think that miracles would be enough to prove that Jesus was God, wouldn't you? You'd think that if you saw men just, you know, growing limbs and, and the blind suddenly seeing and the deaf hearing and the, the, the dumb suddenly speaking and lepers being cleansed of a disease that no one ever been cleansed from, you would think that would speak clearly enough. It does, you shouldn't have to say any more than that. They should be going, you must be God. But they still, just his words were enough to cause outrage. Again, the Jews picked up stones to stone him, but Jesus said, I've shown you many great miracles from the Father. For which of these do you stone me? We are not stoning you for any of these, replied the Jews, but for blasphemy, because you, a mere man, claim to be God. Again, the Jews reveal the true intent of what Jesus was saying. Christian Delphins try to read this away, but the truth is there. The, the Jews will tell you what Jesus meant by his words. He claimed to be God, and he backed it up. Amen. Okay, John 12, we're just going to do a few more. John 12, go to verse 44. And it says this, Then Jesus cried out, When a man believes in me, he does not believe in me only, but in the one who sent me. So now he's claiming, if you, just through belief in me, you've believed in God. When he looks at me, he sees the one who sent me. So Jesus says you, it's like looking in through a window at God himself. I have come into the world as a light 
so that no one who believes in me should stay in darkness. I've come as a light. So anyone who believes. So he's claiming the light of God in people's lives, that they would be set free from darkness just through faith in Jesus Christ. These are powerful declarations and would infuriate the Jews who were against him at that time. Let's go to John 14, verse 9. Jesus answered, Don't you know me, Philip, even after I've been among you such a long time? Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. And how can you say, show us the Father? Don't you believe that I am in the Father and that the Father is in me? That's how linked they are. They're in each other. The words I say to you are not just my own. Rather, it is the Father living in me who is doing his work. Believe, in, believe me when I say that I am in the Father and the Father is in me, or at least believe on the evidence of the miracles themselves. So he's testifying to the miracles as evidence that he is God. Now, I know everyone here has no trouble with this, but I'll... There are a lot of Christian movements out there that have a lot of trouble with this. Jehovah Witnesses don't believe Jesus is God. Christian Dolphians don't believe Jesus is God. Mormons have a very <laughs> crazy view of that whole thing as well. They don't even believe that Elohim, who is God, who is God of uh, in Genesis one one, that Elohim is the son of another God from another galaxy. It's crazy stuff. Uh, so they don't believe in Jesus and God being the one and only God. They believe there's many other gods. Hinduism believe in over 330 million gods, but they believe every cow is a god. You know, uh, other pe- people believe everything is God. So they believe everything you look at, everything you touch is God. Therefore, we are God as well. So everything is God. So, you know, worship ourselves. But the Bible declares God is one. There is one God in three persons. And I'm going to explain that a bit further in a second. I found some really great information on that. John 15, 23. And it says this, He who hates me hates my Father as well. So there you go. If if someone hates Jesus, they hate the Father. Do you know how many people hate Jesus? And if if you really get down to it and say, Why do you hate Jesus? They don't have a reason. What did Jesus ever do wrong? Jesus was without sin. He did no wrong to any man. All they would be hating is his declarations, just like the Jews. They couldn't believe that this man could claim to be God. So that's why people hate him. Because they don't believe in God and Jesus claimed to be God, so let's hate Jesus. The most wonderful man who ever existed. Doesn't make sense, does it? John 16, 15. And it says this. All that belongs to the Father is mine. (laughs) Everything. That belongs to Father God is Jesus. That is why I said the Spirit, and that's in that that is only in the NIV. The Spirit, it doesn't say that in in other translations. But that is why I said the Spirit will take from what is mine and make it known to you. And I think that's very clear. Makes it helps us to see it with a bit more depth. That's a Trinity verse, by the way, uh, according to the NIV. Everything that the Father has, the Father has is mine. He's referring to himself, Jesus. And that is why I said the Spirit will take from what is mine. So there's the Trinity in that one verse. Matthew 11. Matthew, so you have to change books. Go back to Matthew. Okay, 11, 
27, and it says this, All things have been committed to me by my Father. So all things have been committed, handed over. No one knows the Son except the Father. So no one knows Jesus. You, you, you're standing there with Jesus and he's telling you, no one knows me except my Father. And of course, because how can you know the fullness of God as a human? We can't comprehend God. So bumping into Jesus and having a chat with him is not going to help us to know him at the level that, that he is to be known, which is the fullness of knowing him. Therefore, no one knows him except the Father, because the Father and he are one. And the Father completely knows him in his fullness. That's what we're going to spend eternity doing, guys, getting to know who God is. And it's going to take an eternity, literally, to even begin to comprehend the fullness of God. You know, how many years do you think it would take for science to really work out what DNA is all about? How many years do you think? To really comprehend the fullness of its intricacies. You know, it could take thousands of years. They'll still be discovering more and more. That's just part of his creation. That's just one element of his creation and they're confused. They don't fully get it. Let alone trying to comprehend the creator who created DNA, who had the capacity, the intellectual powers to create DNA. Take forever and ever and ever, ever and ever and ever and ever and ever and ever and you'll still just be going, man, God is just mind-blowing. My mind, give me a bigger mind. <laughs> give me a better mind. I still can't comprehend you. Forever and ever and ever he will take. And that is going to be the, the glorious part of heaven is getting to know our Savior like that. So, of course, he says, only the Father knows me. Not these people that have to speak in parables to because they're ever... <laughs> ever hearing and not comprehending, ever seeing and not getting it, you know what I mean? Then it's not getting it. You know? Where did... Anyway, I'll keep going. All things have been committed to me by my Father. No one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son, and those to whom the Son chooses to reveal him, and those to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. So now, how do we get to know the Father? What? Through the Son. And Jesus has to choose you for us to get, for him, to reveal him to us. If you don't know Jesus, don't claim to know God either. Because there's no way you're ever going to get to know God, ever. And that is exactly why in the, in the faith of Islam, their God is an unknowable God. They can't know him. He's not a person. Someone you can get to know. Because you can't get to know God unless you go through Jesus. And when Paul in the book of Acts says that there was a, in, in, in Greece, there was a statue to an unknown God and this unknown God that you don't know anything about, we know. <laughs> Why? Because Jesus revealed him to us. Or we're starting to know him. Don't assume any Christian who's arrogant enough to say, I understand and comprehend God fully. That just shows the, the weakness of how much they don't know, you know. They really don't know much about God if you claim to know a lot about God. God is, is eternal existence that you will just never, ever comprehend. And I think I've hit that home. Right. <laughs> now, I, I've just before I go on with this one, I just want to thank a YouTube channel called Venom Fang X. It's a strange name for a YouTube channel. And it's an actual uh, biblical channel with a, this young guy. He looks like he's only in his... Uh, early 20s or something, but he's a teacher and a very, very gifted teacher. 
And uh, Bill sent this video to me, and I started watching it going, oh, yeah, this young fellow, what's he got to teach? And then I'm like, wow, he's got a lot to teach. He's, God's revealed a lot of good stuff to him. But he gave an explanation of the Trinity. I've heard a lot of people explain the Trinity, right? And, you know, they explain it, uh, you know, Trinity is, oh, you've got an egg and you've got the, the shell, you've got the egg white and the yolk, and, that, you know, that's not adequate. Um, and you've got all these other descriptions. But I think he hit the nail on the head with this. And I sort of grabbed what he said and just sort of summarised it and put it in my own words a little bit. And when Jesus said, I and the Father are one, in John 10.30, we have to ask the question, one what? I and the Father are one. One what? And this is important because it helps us understand the Trinity. The Bible tells us that when man and woman marry, they become one. They become one flesh. There are two of them, but they become one flesh. And in Ephesians said that's a profound mystery, but I'm talking about the church and Jesus Christ. But also it's a profound mystery. How do two people become one flesh? Well, it's, you know, what God puts together, let no man separate. They become one flesh and that's how you, you stay faithful through an entire life with a partner is by becoming one flesh. I think I touched on that in the last sermon. So for God to be three persons, as the Bible declares, then what is God? What is God? If we say there are three humans, we say that there are three persons who share the same human nature. Amen? To say there are three humans, there are three humans who share the same human nature. So to say that God consists of three persons is to say that there are three gods who share the same God nature. Three gods who share the same God nature. They're three but one. So God, the term God is the nature of his existence. Not a singular, singular, uh, singular person or a singular existence. It's the nature. And this, I encapsulated it with. In essence, God is a relationship. I got that from John Lennox. He talked about God as a relationship of three and only three persons. Only three. Not 330 million gods like the Hindus believe, but God is a relationship of three and only three persons who are essential to each other for their own existence. You take one away, God doesn't exist. They, they had to be that way. That's the only way God could be. The only way the universe could be created was God the Father created the universe through Jesus Christ by the power of the Holy Spirit. Just like we pray by the Holy Spirit through Jesus Christ to the Father. Go back the other way. <laughs> and that helps us to grasp the Trinity and why it has to be that way. Amen? Who's getting this? Yeah. I thought that was great. And I think uh, this young guy doesn't put his name on the videos, but talented teacher. Just watch him. You know the guy I'm talking about, don't you? Venom Fang X. <laughs> Venom Fang. Uh, I love you. I love your videos. I don't know if I love the name, but anyway, I don't know what it means. He's probably got a biblical explanation for it. Anyway. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Yeah. Yes. Good on you. All right, Matthew 3, 16 to 17. 
After being baptized, Jesus came up immediately from the water. These are scriptures relating to the Trinity. And behold, the heavens were open, and he saw who? The Spirit of God descending as a dove and lighting on him. And behold, a voice out of the heavens. And who's the voice? God the Father. And he said, this is my beloved Son in whom I'm well pleased. So he revealed his nature. This is him. He's God. Big voice thundering. You know, how many people must have heard that? A lot of witnesses. Three combined, the Spirit, the Father, and the Son, all there in one moment. It's amazing. Hebrews 1.8, but of the Son, He, the Father, He, and I added the Father, says, Your throne, O God. Listen to what the Father said to Jesus. Your throne, O God, is forever and ever. And the righteous scepter is the scepter of His kingdom. Because His kingdom, uh, He's going to have a righteous scepter in His kingdom. And only, only righteous will live and exist with Jesus. Uh, through the millennium and afterwards. Jesus was raised by the Trinity. I love this one. Joe Schimmel first revealed this to me and uh, listening to one of his sermons. But the son, get this, the son raised himself. The son did. John 2.19, it says, Jesus answered them, destroy this temple and I'll raise it. Who will raise it? Jesus. John 10.18, no one takes it from me. This is about the, uh, his death. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and authority to take it up again. This command I received from my Father. So Jesus has the authority to lay his life down and is the authority to take it up again. So who raised Jesus? Himself. Himself. Jesus was raised again by the Trinity, but the Father raised Jesus. As it says here, Romans 10, 9, that if you confess with your mouth Jesus as Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. More specifically, Galatians 1, 1, Paul, an apostle, not sent from men nor through the agency of man, but through Jesus Christ and God the Father who raised him from the dead. So now the Father raised Jesus from the dead. It's interesting, isn't it? The Bible's amazing. Confirms itself over and over and over. The Holy Spirit raised Jesus. Romans 8.11, it says this, But if the Spirit of Him, meaning the Holy Spirit, who raised Jesus from the dead, dwells in you, because who dwells in us? The Holy Spirit. So if the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, He who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal body through spirit who dwells in you. So the spirit who raised Jesus from the dead. So there's evidence of the Trinity just in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. All three had a part. It was one act by the power of the Trinity. Bang! Jesus came to life. This is good, isn't it? I think it is anyway. All right, so 1 John 5, 7. For there are three that bear record in heaven. The Father? Who can say there's no such thing as the Trinity in the Bible? Come on. Look what the Bible says. The Father, the Word. Who's the Word? Jesus. Jesus. Everyone knows that the Word, you know, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. You know, we know who is, what they're talking about. They're talking about the Word. So there are three that bear record in heaven. The Father, the Word, and the Holy Ghost, and these three are one. These three are one. Trinity, right there. These three are one. Isaiah 9.6, the Trinity is declared in Isaiah. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, 
and the government will be on his shoulders and he will be called the wonderful counsellor. Now, who in the, in the New Testament is called the counsellor? The holy counsellor. The Holy Spirit. Mighty God. Now, that's the banner. That's the, the God nature. Mighty God, because the Holy Spirit's a mighty God. The Father is a mighty God. Jesus is mighty God. Everlasting Father, the Father. And Prince of Peace. Who's the Prince of Peace? Jesus Christ. Matthew 28, 19. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. So remember these scriptures, guys, because if someone tries to tell you that the Trinity is, is unbiblical, you know, you might not see the word Trinity in the Bible. That doesn't mean the doctrine doesn't apply. It's a doctrine that is expressed in Scripture. You don't have to have the word to make that a doctrine. It's just the name, you know what I mean, of the doctrine. Genesis 1.1 says this, and I just want to thank John for the help with this because he's, whenever I need an explanation on, you know, word usage and stuff, John comes to my rescue. That's my son, John. Genesis 1.1, in the beginning, God. That's what it says, in the beginning, God. The word used for God in, he- in the Hebrew is Elohim. In the Hebrew language, the im ending imputes plurality, meaning many. Therefore, Elohim is the plural form of the word El. Okay? So if God wanted us to understand that he was a singular God, as in no, no Jesus or no Christ and no Holy Spirit, then he would have referred to himself as just El. He wouldn't be called Elohim, he'd just be called El. The same is the case with another name for God in, in the Old Testament, which is the, the name Adonai. The same case applies with that as well. So im is a suffix that represents a plural noun, which means more than one, such as Nephilim, Rephaim, and Anakim. They're groups of people, giants or whatever. So Genesis, and this is where the Bible is very clear, Genesis 126, it says this, Then God said, let us make man in our image, according to our likeness. And why did he say let us? He would just say, I'm going to make man in my image. He didn't. He said, let us, let us make man in our image, our likeness. Yeah. Who's he talking to? He's having a conversation up there with the Trinity. Now, I reckon that was the Father speaking too. I reckon the Father spoke that because Jesus would have said, oh, yeah, okay, well, go ahead, use me. (laughs) Create them through me. (laughs) You know, so the Old Testament declares the Trinity. The Lord said to my Lord, Psalm 110 verse 1 says, The Lord says to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. Here David, by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, recognises that his God is a plural God. Now that H there shouldn't have been capital, sorry. That his God is a plural God. As he made, again, that H shouldn't be capitalised. As he made a clear reference to his Lord, the Father, speaking to his Lord, Jesus Christ. Because he said, the Lord said to my Lord. David knew about the Trinity. David knew that God existed as three persons with the same nature, but with different um, jobs or yeah functions. 
They function. They all three function differently, but together they're a powerful force called God. Colossians 2, 9 to 10. So who is the Christ? What's his function? What's he, who is he? Who was this man that walked on planet Earth as a human in a physical form and came and just is the most controversial character and have you noticed getting more controversial by the day? Right? Every day more and more people speak against him or speak for him. So, Okay, so Colossians 2, 9 and 10 said this, For in Christ, for in Christ all the fullness of the deity in Christ, all the fullness of the deity, and the deity is the God, God nature, lives in bodily form. Why? Why does he live in bodily form? So we could see him. So he could reveal himself to us. He didn't want to come and reveal himself to us as this spirit, this, you know, here I am, you know, worship me. He didn't want to come and do that. He wanted to come and live among us and draw men to himself, not Throughout, through fearing this powerful, awesome God, but through his love. You know, if you think about it, just say you want to find a partner to marry, you don't want to scare that person into marrying you, do you? You don't want to scare them into, you know, um, being your partner. You want them to be your partner through love. Any normal human, any normal man or any normal woman would never want to know that their partner's are with them because they're scared of them. I suppose there are some, but that's why I said normal. <laughs> normal humans want their partners to love them. Amen? It's normal. So why would God be any different? He's, he created love. And actually, actually, I can probably uh, rephrase that. He is love. And when he created us, he created us with his, that, that was one of the elements of his image that he wanted us to have, love. And if we all functioned in that, if we all functioned in that God, God uh, quality, then the world would have far less problems if everyone loved one another. But it's due to not loving that we have the problems we have. So for in Christ, all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form. And in Christ, you have been brought to fullness. Who feels full in Christ? Yeah? How, how empty would you feel if you didn't have Jesus? You'd have an empty existence, you know? If you, if you don't have Jesus, get drunk. You know, live it up. Live a wild life because you, tomorrow you die. You know what I mean? That should be the attitude. And that's why, they, that's why unbelievers have that attitude. Because they've got no God. They've got no Jesus in their life. Hey, you think if I can have 30 good years, go crazy. Live life to the fullest and die. You know, but when you have Jesus, you realise there's more to life. Life is not this empty existence that doesn't mean anything, you know, where you can uh, just, uh, you know, live this crazy life and a fast life, live sleeping around and doing all that. You know, life has a lot more to offer than that, a lot better things to offer. John 1 verses 1 to 4, and it says this, In the beginning was the Word. In the beginning was Jesus, and the Word was with God. So Jesus was with God, and the Word was God. So Jesus is God. That's another way of saying it. He was with God in the beginning. Through him, all things were made. Through Jesus, all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. So nothing in the universe, anything that's there, that will, 
has been made by Jesus. There's nothing else outside of that. In him was life, and that life was the light of men. Hebrews 1, 1 to 3, this is our text. This is our text for the uh, whole sermon. In the past, God spoke to our forefathers through the prophets at many times and in various ways, but in these last days he has spoken to us through the Son whom whom he appointed heir of all things. I'll stop there. He spoke to us through the prophets. In the Old Testament, you only knew about God through what the prophets revealed to you. But at around uh, year zero, I suppose, around that time somewhere, Jesus was born. He came into the world, born of a virgin, born in a stable, you know, in a um, manger, which was a concrete eating uh, place where animals ate. It was a disgusting place to be born, really. He was wrapped in um, uh, cloths, which swaddling cloths, which are burial cloths. So he was born to die. He was wrapped in them at birth. And uh, he lived a humble life, a life totally, especially when he went into the ministry, totally sold out to everybody else to the point where he gave everything of himself to the point of death for men, for mankind. He knew his mission from day one. And uh, so he revealed himself in these last days. He has spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed heir of all things. That means the heir gets the lot. <laughs> if you're the sole heir, you receive the whole inheritance. And who, what, what was his inheritance? All things. So if you want to be in his inheritance, sell yourself out to Jesus. Give yourself completely over to Jesus. And through whom he made the universe. Again, revealed his deity. Revealed just who Jesus was. He was more than just that man who just walked around saying some good things. He he made the universe. Or, Or the father used him through him, made the universe. The son is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being sustaining all things sustaining all things by his powerful word what does sustaining all things mean holding it together so we think that we just orbit around the sun and it's it's the gravitational pulls of uh, of that orbit that keeps us there no it's jesus he sustains us he sustains keeps that keeps our planet where it is by his word he commanded it boom and it was so amen Search out Lamin and who's that by? What's that guy's name? Uh, uh, Giglio. Yeah, Louis. Louis Giglio. Lamin. The sun is the radius of God's glory, the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. After he had provided purification for sins, so that was his mission on earth, purified, purification for sins, that means we can be forgiven for sin, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty in heaven. I've heard people on the internet say, what? Well, if God, you know, wanted us to be perfect, why did He uh, let, you know, let there be sin in the world? And why does He just, why doesn't He just stop us all from partaking in it? And why does it all have to be so difficult? It's so easy, so easy. He provided purification for sins, and you know what it depends on? Humbleness. If you're humble enough to come before a holy God and say sorry and and repent and turn then you will receive eternal life. If you cannot humble yourself before a holy God, you will not receive eternal life. It's as simple as it is. So what keeps people out of heaven? Pride. 
pride. Colossians 1, 15 to 20. He is the image. Can you get it any clearer than this? <laughs> Jesus is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn, and I'm just going to just rephrase this again, prototokos, which specifically refers to Christ as the first to experience glorification, meaning when it says firstborn, firstborn from the dead. The firstborn from the dead, not the firstborn as he's a creation. He's firstborn out of the grave in his physical form and ascended to be with the Father in his imperishable body. That's the only represent. That's where they pull the word firstborn from. And so many cults get that wrong. They mis- misunderstand that completely. And and a prototokos actually means first and preeminent. He's first. He's preeminent. He's above all. Over all, through all, and in all. For by him all things were created. For by Jesus all things were created, both in the heavens and on the earth, visible and invisible. So everything that we can see was created by him and things that we cannot see, the the angelic realm and the demonic realm. Even though he didn't create demons, he created them as angels and they fell. And they their uh, appearance became that way through the fall. According to their deeds was what they became. So whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through Jesus and for Jesus. He is before all things and in Jesus. I'm just adding Jesus so we can really see it. And in Jesus, all things hold together. There it is again. All things in the universe, the whole cosmos holds together. He is also head of the body the church, and he is the beginning and firstborn from the dead. That's where the firstborn from the dead is, which if you can put that back earlier as well. So that he himself will come to have first place in everything, for it was the Father's good pleasure for all the fullness to dwell in Jesus, for all his fullness, and through Jesus to reconcile all things to himself, so to reconcile all things to the Father. So through Jesus to reconcile all things to the Father. Having made peace through the blood of his cross. And that's how we get to the Father. That's how we receive forgiveness of sins. So through him I say whether things on earth or things in heaven. So God revealed himself in the person of Jesus Christ. Amen. And showed his divine nature to us through him, through Jesus. His divine nature was revealed so clearly. You know, the most wonderful, wonderful person who ever existed, that was God. So if people always say these terrible things about God is this and God is that, hang on. Jesus was the most beautiful person who ever existed. How could you say that? It's because they don't understand that Jesus is God. You know, people say God doesn't exist. Oh, yeah, Jesus did. And he proved himself to be God. You know, 500 witnesses. You know, in court, you only need one witness, one adequate witness, and you'll be set free from that one adequate witness. Jesus had 500. That's crazy. That's right. Well, these guys were the Bible. They held, you know, through the um, passing it on through uh, oral tradition. Those, those, Those were the Bible or the letters of the early church. The living letters, living epistles. So God revealed himself in the person of Jesus Christ and showed his divine nature to us through him. This same God has laid his life down for us so that we can receive salvation in his name. 
Same God. What a God. Acts 4.12, Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is no other name under heaven. And I love how he says that. How did he know that no other man would ever, in all of these religions, ever stand up and say, use my name to receive salvation and you're saved? No other man has been able to say that. You might get some crackpots now saying it because they understand that. Oh, yeah, well, use my name and you'll get in heaven. Joseph Smith. <laughs> That's ridiculous. There's only one. The evidence is there that it's him. No other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. There's no other name who can save us. Jesus declared himself the way, which is the road we take, the truth. He was the embodiment of all truth, literally. Everything that is was created through him. So he's the embodiment of truth. So when someone says, what is truth? Jesus. You don't need a better explanation than that. Jesus is the truth. All things were created through him. So all the mysteries of the universe were created through him. The truth lies in that person. Amen. And the life. He's the life. The eternal life is found in another name. He says he gives life to whoever he chooses. He says, I am eternal life. So when you enter into heaven, you enter into him who is eternal life. Amen? All right, so there you go. So that's sermon for today. Let's pray. Lord, we just thank you for this time. We thank you for uh, the anointing to preach this message. I thank you for um, everything that took place today in the service and how uh, such a, it was such a great service today. I pray that you continue to direct our paths, continue to direct this church, help us to make wise decisions in the future of where we should go and what we should do. Because, Lord, this is all for you. We serve a living God, not a, not a dead God, a living God who's watching over us at all times, watching our every move and uh, wants us to uh, serve, serve him fully and completely. So help us to. Help us to be the Christians you created us to be, Lord. And I pray that any of us here that need to go deeper, need to get more fired up for you, need to really... Uh, Say, Lord, I just hand everything over to you. Just put it on our hearts. Put it on each of our hearts to give ourselves fully over to you as Lord and God and King of our lives and Lord of our lives. And uh, so I just pray that you help us as, as believers to walk faithfully and strong in you every single day and help us to declare the gospel adequately to people so that we can reach them for the gospel. So that, and we can reach them for your name and see them set free by the power of the Holy Spirit. Give us the power to reach people, Lord, because it's so difficult out there uh, just to say the right things, to, to string the words together. So give us the power to do it so that we can see more people come to know you as Lord and Saviour. And we ask this in your wonderful name and uh, ask you to be with us the rest of this weekend on this special Father's Day. Uh, bless the day and um, and watch over us all week long in the name of Jesus. Amen. 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 Thanks for listening to this sermon. If you search Rob Cartledge in the iTunes store or go to www.robcartledge.com, you'll see a number of different sermon series uncovering religion, truth, judgment, and eternity, apologetics 101, critical doctrine, and end times. Feel free to check them out.